2: of October, very early in the morning, the results of a crime were found in the stables of Le Père Choupon. The old man had discovered, to his absolute dismay, the dislocated body of Elizabeth Dumoutier. So, the police was called in, I was handed the inquiry, upon arriving on the scene, some photographs journalists were raising their fist among the crowd shouting
1: this is who killed teresa and I'm your host John Alore This is a podcast about a series of unsolved murders in Quebec, Canada. Uh, A couple of months ago, uh, Christian Gravner, who has been on this podcast, he was interviewed very early on. I kind of think of Christian as a... um, cultural anthropologist of all things uh, dark weird and wonderful about montreal and he um he he emailed me uh, an article uh from uh the canadian newspaper um Quebec newspaper the daily la presse dated um uh, saturday december 11th 1999 um and he said, "Do you know any of these cases?" And the article's headline is Mar dans la Eight murders, uh Unsolved in in the region in the area And um, <clears throat> Of course, they're from a different era from the, they're from the late eighties uh, early nineties uh some of them i was aware of uh, some of them i wasn't um and and i quite frankly i didn't know what to do with the information you know i was um it was interesting um but um you know as we as as, as you know we had been focused on um the mid 70s to 81 in our 45 episodes, so I was like, well, yes, this is interesting, but it's also overwhelming. Um, it's outside of kind of my bivouac. It's uh, uh, it's not <clears throat> anything I'm going to deal with right now, but a couple of things uh, happened uh, with that. Uh, one, I, th- I think it's interesting... Um, uh, <clears throat> Well, I, I started thinking about it last week, and and I got I got um, actually I got ill over the the yeah, yeah. Christmas holidays, and really was uh, not able to do much. So I started to do a little uh, research on on these cases, these Montreal cases, um, and uh, most of my research was through the archives of La Presse. Um, The French Daily, which has been in existence for 133 years until, funnily enough, when I finished up my preliminary research um, close to the end of uh, last week before New Year's, La Presse printed its final uh, paper edition over the weekend. It's going completely digital year forward. Uh, so no more I mean six days a week for one hundred and thirty three years the press was there and it um, you know it's an interesting um, uh, uh, paper we don't really talk about it I mean uh, I tend to talk a lot about the the tabloids um, allo police photo police where I got a, a lot of my original research from. Because they were so scandalous and scintillating, and they had all those you know amazing photographs uh from the era and all that but but as i think I've alluded to around eighty nineteen eighty one uh they kind of switched up their um you know their offering uh, i think a couple of things happened i think the the, the police closed ranks and were not as uh as free with information anymore with, the uh, with the media. I think the appetite for that kind of journalism, you know, as I've said, crime and big tits, um, I think the people had sort of had enough of it, so it kind of fell out of favor, although it's been in and out of favor ever since. Um, but La Presse is like the, the legitimate, uh, French language paper in Quebec, and it has been, uh, you know, certainly what I would describe it as a centrist kind of view, um, as opposed to uh, uh, Le Devoir, which I've I've always considered somewhat um, right wing. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had uh, Journal de Montreal, Journal de Quebec, which was it, it, it. Those papers are in in content and, and format resemble, you know, the Ottawa Sun, uh, the Toronto Sun, or that kind of, that kind of newspaper. Um, but La Presse was real, real legitimate. So it's funny that, that um, I was researching this uh, based on a tip from Christian, Christian uh, from a couple of months ago, and and then he just informed me over the weekend uh that in their final issue on the weekend, they did a feature on his his new book. Um, I, I think at the time that I interviewed him, he was t- close to publications. It, it's published now. It's called Montreal, um, three hundred and seventy-five stories. Three hundred and seventy-five stories. It's it was uh, two thousand seventeen, the three hundred seventy-fifth anniversary of 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 Quebec. So kind of kind of strange that those two kind of things intersected there, but I started to read these these um, cases, and the more I, I read about them, the, the more I thought they, for a number of reasons, reasons could be really really beneficial. Um, I think I think the first I, what what I find really curious is. I was not aware of this, this article. So this came out in, in, in late 1999 and it wasn't until the summer of 2002. So, um, you know, like, uh, what is that? Two years, two and a half years later that the series, uh, who killed Teresa came out in the national post and just to compare the two articles it's it's kind of interesting so the who killed teresa features um was in a english language national canadian newspaper um uh, big deal it ran over 3 days i think each each story um was 10,000 words so uh 30,000 words in all um Above the fold in in the whatever section it was in, I think it was in the lifestyle section or something like that. Um, uh, you know, in a in a in a in a real big deal, right? Um, al- although a big deal to English Canada, you know, it, it kind of stirred a lot of interest there, and certainly, um, you know, the police would have been well. I know were very quickly made aware of it because they were. <laughs> um portrayed in, in in such a poor light as they 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 rightly uh should have been. This Arte de Quebec. But you know, you contrast that with this and, and, and again the Who Killed Teresa articles is about a series of, of murders in the 70s. But then just two and a half years prior to that, in a predominantly French-language uh, newspaper of the province, La Presse, you had this article coming out talking about eight unsolved murders um, from the era of 1987 to 1995. And I'm, I don't think I was aware of it then, but I'm pretty aware of it now, that those two solitudes never really crossed um for a number of reasons uh they, they don't cross chronologically um but um they also they, they don't um you know one was in english and one was in french and they're talking about different murders and you know just to give you some perspective on this uh you know if if you go where the the old timers hang out in in you know for coffee in the morning in Quebec and that would be any McDonald's or Tim Hortons in you know in in any small village you'll find the guy sitting around i think in in Lennoxville Quebec uh where 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 my sister um uh, disappeared there was a student. It's the McDonald's, right? I've been in there a lot of times in the mornings, and all the all the old timers are sitting around, and they got the Journal de Quebec in front of them, and you know, and, and they're they're talking shop, right now. If I went up to maybe not in Lenoxville, but if I went, say, to to that Tim Hortons or McDonald's in uh, Trois Rivieres, or in um, in Quebec City, or um, you know, Blainville. You know these these villages uh, somewhere in in Laval, and I said, uh, "Do you know the story of Teresa Lor?" After all we've talked about, you know, tu connais l'histoire de Teresa Lor, I say to them, I would get a blank look in in return. But these cases from nineteen ninety nine, partly because more recent and then the collective memory but also because so much has in in some of the cases been written about them if i said any of these names people would would instantly know who i was talking about you know if i said uh yves uh, uh, La, uh, La, uh, uh La Rivier, or uh melanie cabay uh marie chantal desjardins uh Jalil Campo. Everyone would know immediately who I was speaking about because these cases were were highly covered in in the press. So <clears throat> that I find interesting. I also um, I kind of don't for for two reasons. I don't really want to talk um, for the. Next little while about uh, what we'll call the Teresa Lore murders ex- ex- in detail, except in the way those cases inform these cases and vice versa. That that we we can talk about, but let's you know f- for for a time put that on the shelf. I mean, the other reason, quite frankly and practically, is. For those of you who've listened, there's um, negotiations going on right now with um, um, my lawyer and and uh, it, it, the other author's lawyer and, and publishers, um, and we're close to a deal with with uh, Random House. And, and quite frankly, they don't want they don't want me um, talking about those cases, you know, um, because there's a book pending and there's money on the line. So I there's not a whole lot i can talk about for a while i kind of i i kind of need to shut that down so this this will be um i think um a good opportunity to i, I mean I, these these stories have a <clears throat> and we'll we'll get to them in a in, in a in a moment here but they're interesting the, the, the eight victims um they're from six different municipalities um a, a, a lot um a lot in the Laval region, so Laval, Blainville, Rosemere, Mascouche, L'Assomption, Saint-Roche-de-Lachigan, the Miron region in Montreal. Um, and, um, you know, they, in, in, in a lot of the cases, they were... Um, brazen abductions in the streets in some cases sexual assaults beatings strangulations stabbing um you know the the usual but in 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 some of the cases uh the offender was caught and we'll we'll get into that um but again i think i think there's a reverberation going on here between uh the And as I say, how they inform each other—the the the '70s cases and these late '80s and '90s cases—that is informative. Um, You know, there are instances of um, police investigative failures. Again, there's questions about um, the the retention of of evidence. Again. Um, there's a questions about the role of the, of the, the, the media and the press again um, so we're gonna um, take a look at some of these uh, cases uh, for the uh, for the next little while wanna say a word about the the music at the opening because this is curious this so that's that's a song by a Quebec group called uh, the box uh, which um is called um uh, la Faire du moutier um, written in nineteen eighty five by these, these you know and then it's you know it's Come on, it's clearly rooted in, in you know eighties rock, right? I mean, if you listen to the, the, the kind of tinny Rickenbacker bass line and the the the, the effects kind of Andy Summers guitar, um, sort of persistent drum rhythm, it's 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 real it, it drums with a lot of echo. Um, it's ver- it's very, it's very, very nineteen eighty five. Um but this is a curious song if you if you don't know it de Dumoutier, it, it tells the story of um a, a woman um elizabeth dumoutier who who goes uh, missing on a date um and uh, is dismembered by a member of the community called and his name is austin and like so much we've talked about, then you, you you quickly are introduced to a cast of characters. Right? There's there's Austin. There's the victim. There's there's uh, the there's the investigators and the detectives. There's there's the press. And within the first minute of the song, the the, the press is already calling into questions the actions of of the police. They they, they sort of say, hey. You know, what are you doing? We all know it was um we all know it was Austin. He's not normal. Cop says, you know, something like, shut your mouth and just wait for the process to, to end. You know, we we go to a trial, you know, where we introduce the judge and the attorneys and, and all this. All very familiar, yeah. I mean, um I I've always been curious about this song. Um I, I you know quite frankly I was kind of I was kind of um, a little obsessed with it when it came out I thought it was really cool not not anything to do with um, my experience with murder and cold cases maybe maybe subconsciously but not that I was aware of I just I I found it really kind of disturbing and scary um, but over the years you know when you listen back I thought well it's it's actually kind of corny you know walking the lines of insanity and you know this this kind of stuff but but recently i um somehow i i, I struck up a conversation on, on like twitter with uh, i don't know if you know the canadian musician hoxley Work, uh, workman if you don't know hoxley you should know him um just just a great canadian musician people in in you know, in Canada, they always fawn over the, you know the bare naked ladies and um, I don't know Blue Rodeo and um, uh, we're tragically hip and I, I've never I've never been particularly fond of those bands but I've always been fond of Hoxley Workman and Hoxley Workman is somebody if, um, on Twitter who's who who's very engaged and you ask him a little a legitimate question he'll he'll answer it and. Very, very nice, friendly guy, but for some reason he po- he posted recently about this song, La Faire du motier, and he said this song has always absolutely scared the shit out of me. And I asked him, "Did don't you um, do you ever find it corny or anything like that?" He said, "Absolutely not. I think it, I, it straight on legitimate, great, great song. What are you talking about?" And I got to thinking about it, and I, and I got to thinking about its 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 place in in history. You know, it comes at a comes at a curious time, right? Um, you know, so the 70s cases that we talked about, you know, the, the murders, if, if you go as far as Tammy Leakey, uh, the murders stop around 1981. And then we talked for a while about um, the activities of the offender, uh, Luke Gregoire, which continue in the Sherbrooke area to around 82, 83. Then we have this kind of stoppage of time for two years. L'Affaire du Mortier comes out in 85. We have another stoppage of time for two years. And then, beginning in 87, we get these, these eight murders that we were just talking about, 87 to 95, another, another cluster. Um, and it's not, uh, it's not Gregoire, right? Uh, recall that he... he Gregoire went to, to, to prison, and then he fucked off to Alberta, so by the time we get to this cluster of eight, he's he's in Alberta. All you know, all that time, um, and he's on parole and all that. So I'm, I'm pretty confident he's not traveling back and forth, because if you listen to that episode, there's, he's constantly checking in with his parole officers. Um, so it's curious that this happens, and you know, what does that mean? In, in, in that that clusters like this would fluster up and then. Die out, and then they they happen again. And we, we could, and we may, do a whole series on um, um, the knots um, and what happened then. Particularly, we would talk about Cedrika Provenche um uh, disappeared two thousand seven, body found two thousand sixteen, um, and the cases that center around her, and and what leads to this. And and I, I think a lot of it is, um, as said it before, a, a A permissiveness a a turning away from the violences and uh, offenses of the community Um, um, a turning away from the fact that whenever you turn around you seem to notice in the Quebec uh, media another pedophile being arrested whether it's some guy masturbating in front of kids or uh, child pornography and if you don't think that's a gateway escalation to other um, behavior you're Uh, I would I would argue with you Um, so there's there's that Um, when we get into these cases you'll see um, you know a long history of just of women particularly young women between 13 and 16 just disappearing you know off the street that's it they're gone Um, and so associated with that is um, um, the the fact that in Montreal and in, in the Quebec region women are can be quickly exposed to the, the, the dark element of um child prostitution and um uh, from that it can it can escalate to to murder. So there's these there's these, you know, reverberations, right, that are going on. Um and, and in a sense, uh if you have <clears throat> if you live chronologically through it, um you don't quite maybe get um the full meaning the, the 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 echo the shuttlecock effect but if you're able to look back and forth in time and kind of redshift, um blue shift with these things you begin to see that reverberation um very very clearly and and so i think through a lot of this permissiveness um you know, what you get is copycatting. You know, again, it's, Gregoire is not, Luke Gregoire was not responsible for every single murder, but um, certainly uh, uh, <clears throat> people would have been aware of what was going on, particularly in the, in the criminal, criminal world, and would have been responding to it as the police um, did not respond to it so copycatting Um, it is uh, not by coincidence with these eight cases in a lot of the cases we see murders occurring in the Laval Montreal region and the body being dumped to the north of Montreal in different jurisdictions as we said six municipalities but a tendency to dump those bodies in in other areas, thereby creating um, police jurisdictional confusion. <clears throat> so, back to this this song. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's it's corny anymore. Um, I think it's very very interesting, and I, I don't know where these guys got this song or what in '85 compelled them you know, to, to write it. Um, I, I, I've looked online and a lot of people have asked, you know, what, what is the basis for it? And they've never, from what I can tell, they've never come forward and, um, and said what their, their source was, or maybe it was just imagination or the, you know, the atmosphere, the elements of Quebec in that era. Um, it's rumored that they got it, uh, from France. There's a French feeling to it, actually. Um, Actually, it kind of reminds me of a i don't know if you know the the Pépin sister murders in in france in la man france nineteen thirty three where the two maids uh, murdered um, their um their employer and her daughter quite brutally gouged her eyes out um <clears throat> in uh in thirty three but um with those the Pépin sister murders there's there's this element of, um, you know, that the the town, the village knows more than they're saying, um, which it, you get that sense um, in in the song. You know that the you know the the media, the, the the press, the newspaperman knows more than what the police know. The community knows more than what the police know. Um, which uh, which is interesting, I, actually the. The Papin sister murders, now that I think of it, it is the basis for um, Jean Genet's play, uh, The Maids, if, um, if, if you know that. So there's this curious element going on there in the song, which, uh, you know, has has always, always interested me. The, the other thing that is that is interesting is, um, in the song, uh, Elizabeth Dumoutier, as they say, is dismembered the dismembered body and up to that point in, in in any of the cases that we've discussed you know 285 or, or any that come to mind I can't think in Quebec of a dismemberment however in the eight cases we're going to talk about there there is a dismemberment um, it's the first time I've ever seen that it's Quite grisly, um I won't tell you which one I don't want to spoil the surprise, but um we will we'll get to that anyway that's uh I, I don't know so for that reason because and because we're now we're not in the seventies now right we're in we're in late eighty seven early nineties let's let's switch things up uh a bit and go with a slightly different um uh musical aesthetic. And I apologize for using the word aesthetic, but <clears throat> so that's it. Um, and I'll, I'll post that on the if you on on the if you if you uh, follow the um, the Facebook page, I'll post the video for La uh La Faire du uh, Moutier. It's, it, you know, it's it's a little cheesy, and you gotta understand, um, you know, the the the, um, the band plays the part, you know of characters in the story, so the lead singer is the um, lead detective, I, I think Austin is played by the bass player, uh, you know, the it, 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 newspaperman is, you know, the drummer or something like that, and you know, they're not actors, right? So, you know, but but still, for, for 1985, uh, it still goes down as one of my, my favorite songs from that era. I want to give you a couple of updates, and then um, I'll give you a preview of uh, the eight cases we're, we're going to talk about. And the update is, um, over the weekend, uh, CBC Montreal, uh, Joanne Bailey, who writes for CBC Montreal, published um, an article about um, uh, Montreal's um, unsolved homicide rate and but with particular focus on the Catherine Hawkes case, which we've uh, we've discussed. So I'm not I'm not going to reiterate the Catherine Hawkes bit. We've already talked about it. She's she's the one who was found near a train station in uh '77, the night of a blackout. Um, and the the assailant phoned the police twice, told the police where she was, and the police didn't bother to show up till '23 hours later that it's that case. Um, but um, they get into a little bit more about clearance rates and it's uh, we've also talked about this, but it's always, it's always great when the, the you know, CBC or, you know, local media kind of reiterate what you, what you've already said. So um, it says, um, I'll just read some of this. Um, the latest numbers from Statistics Canada show that for the last 40 years, Montreal police have solved on average 65% of cases, usually by charging someone. And for the last 40 years, Montreal police have the lowest solve rate in the country, slightly below Laval and Vancouver, and well below the average of 75.5% solved by Toronto police. Um, and, And then we get these great statements by some fonctionnaire talking head from the Montreal Police, Vincent Roson, commander of Major Crimes Division of Montreal Police, believes investigators <laughs> are making progress. But he also says Montreal has a special burden because many of the killings are mob or gang-related, and that kind of a crime is more difficult to solve. Um, now, this, of course, is a preposterous statement. Um, uh, for one reason, um, mob or gang-related um, Cases, uh, be it the mafia or the Hell's Angels. For for number one, those aren't unique to Quebec. Toronto has them. Vancouver has them. Certainly the the, 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 the maritime provinces have them. Um, Halifax, etc. So this is not some some unique problem to Montreal. Although Montreal did see what we call the. The biker wars in the late nineties, which was a bit of an aber- aberration, but let's be honest, that was that was decades ago. Um, and the, the second thing I would say that is, is in the case of homicide, um, mafia and uh, mafia and mob related murders only make up about twenty percent of homicides. The majority of them are either cases um, domestic issues of family or people who know. The, know the victim it's and 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 mafia and mob is a simply is a completely different category if you look at the statistics in statscan that is separated out that only accounts for 20%. So that's a really um a really poor excuse uh he says uh professional killers are much uh less likely to leave their dna on the scene and they are very aware of camera camera surveillance he says in fact, uh, Rosan says professional criminals are very adept at using technology, for example, setting up their own cameras to plan their crimes. Don't really understand that one, but okay. Um, maybe, uh, but it, um, it's, it's a little bizarre to say, um, if they're better planners, then why can't you get one step ahead of them and plan even better? Um, there is another explanation too. I, um, I would question whether they're not leaving their DNA. I mean, maybe maybe some of them are, but uh, you know, we did, we we covered that case of William Fife, which was from the I think the mid eighties, um, where it was like a DNA dream. He had he had DNA everywhere, and that's how they caught a serial killer. Um, maybe it's the fact that maybe the criminals aren't leaving DNA, or maybe um, the professionals. And the, um, you know, police agencies are inept at collecting DNA evidence, or maybe they're inept at cataloging DNA evidence, or maybe they're inept at analyzing DNA evidence. Um, That, that, um, although that's a black box that we can't really investigate fully, um, experience tends to suggest that some of that might be true. So I question, I question that, as, that as well. The other howler here is, um, yeah, the article says, Montreal Police recently added a cold case section to their website. They have put up details of three homicide cases. Now, yes, that's correct. They, they put up a cold case website um, almost a year ago they have that we know of in the last 40 to 50 years the montreal police alone have over 600 unsolved homicides and they've only managed to publish 3 unsolved cases um i uh, why there isn't more outrage and uproar over over this is um is is amazing to me, and then and then the last thing he says, Rosan says, he says police are much more adept at gathering physical evidence, um, and Rosan promises, all that evidence is now kept for as long as necessary, unlike in the 1970s, when police often threw out physical evidence, claiming it took up too much space, and this is probably the most important. Point about three reasons I gave just earlier about DNA is um, well, of course they still destroy evidence. They destroyed evidence in two thousand sixteen in an attempted murder of a adolescent young girl. They they destroyed the dress she was wearing and the jump rope that she was strangled with, among other things, and and practically jeopardized the The entire investigation it's by pure luck that the judge didn't throw that case out and that the the assailant um was convicted um so these these um these justifications from the montreal police in 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 my case fall completely on deaf ears of we've heard it before over and over again. Um, and they keep making the same uh, excuses, but they don't make progress, right? The uh, the definition of insanity is if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you keep getting the same result. Well, forty years of having the lowest uh, homicide clearance rate in the country should tell you something, shouldn't it? Um, so I'm I, and, and to blame it on better criminals. Um, and and the and the fact that there's a criminal element um, in 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 gangs or mobs which confound professional investigators is is complete and utter nonsense, and they should be called out on that. And you know what? A guy sitting at his home in North Carolina, who happens to be Canadian, should not be the only one calling them out on that. Um uh some good news. Uh t- two episodes uh ago I had um Stefan Loose on here. He's uh he's a, a a crime victim. His his mother Roxanne was murdered in 1981 if, if you recall. And and Stéphane now has this uh, association where he helps murdered and missing. Um, families of murdered and missing people Um, and he and he he came to me with a great low-tech idea and and I like I like using different techniques to to kind of advance and engage um, in this in this process you know one of them one of them is a podcast and it's great but Quite frankly, who it reaches are, are Americans and some Canadians um, and Australians and um, um, people in 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 the UK. Um, but does it engage uh, uh, Quebec? Not not really. Quite frankly, it re- it really doesn't. I get I get you know, I would say um, I would say from Quebec maybe a hundred uh, hundred listeners a day. Um, and, um, of those, I, I would question whether any of them were, were, or were Quebecois, were, were French, not that it matters, we don't know who the offender is, but still, you want, want to engage the whole community, right? Um, <clears throat> but his idea, I mean, to, to begin with, I've always been, it's an idea that, uh, I, that I thought about, but he actually refined, um you know often when i when i drive to canada i'll go up um highway 81 which takes you through rural virginia or or um uh, west virginia as well and it's struck me in some of those communities there's these huge billboards along highways they're really um haunting i um they'll show a picture of a victim and it'll say like you know missing since uh, you know Two thousand and five. If you have any information, contact blah 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 blah. You know, and very very striking, and you immediately go, "Wow, that's that's tough." But that's that's you know that's that's a better way of engaging the local populace. You know, this sort of someone knows something here. I'm not I'm not expecting anyone from Australia to to kind of really weigh in here. <laughs> you're just a you're, you were gratefully but you're along for the ride you know but Stefan's idea was he said can you get me a picture of Teresa Uh, a high definition digital picture Um, and some words you want to say about her you know he said um, I have a relationship with a local trucking firm and I've done this once he did it with a uh, a young boy who's missing for their family and he put um the boy's picture on the back of the truck and it it said something like i i've been missing since such and such a date my my family wants to find me phone that's it and he said this trucking company you know it, it hauls short range in the eastern townships exclusively you know so so you know that's that's our area of interest um and you're stuck in traffic or you're along the highway and you gotta look at something and um on a lot of occasions what you're looking at is the back of a a back of a truck so stefan um a, a great friend uh and a great ally has has offered this um and i am most definitely gonna gonna take him up on it um I already gave him the materials. I think uh, he's meeting with the company in January, and it'll, it'll go on the back of a number of transports in in uh, in February. So we'll see. Because that's you know, even if I am engaging the Quebec populace, you know, the the, the chances are, are are like the old timers who are in their sixties and seventies who were you know alive and. Say aware in in that time, uh, nineteen you know nineteen seventy eight. They're the ones I want to reach, right? Because they're the ones who, um, in this in this late stage, where uh, you're probably not going to get a confession, and we don't have evidence, you might want to turn someone's conscience, who knew something at the time, or who who didn't. Um, know that something they knew was relevant right and and I don't think I'm going to reach those people with a digital podcast on SoundCloud you know I just (laughs) I just I just I just don't think that's a possibility but they may be um, driving or being driven who knows for groceries or to the clinic you know, to their podiatrist or something and they may see this thing. So uh it's um certainly worth a worth a shot. So we're we're now gonna um in um in, in closing out this this episode we're we're gonna talk very briefly about each of the eight um cases uh that I've been been talking talking about we'll give a preview and then in future episodes we'll go more in in depth with them and understand as i said um you know my um some of my investigative uh abilities were limited here i don't have access to the the uh the case files from um from allo police uh this round so i i don't I don't have any of the images or things like that. I had to be a little more um, canny in, in digging up information. Um, it works both ways. Number one, I think if you looked at the case files um, in 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 the, the publication, Hello Police, for these cases, because they came so late in, in in the late 80s, early 90s, that you probably wouldn't find much. In fact, I've seen some of them from that era, and slowly, you, you begin to progress out of uh, you know all the great first-hand information and photographs and potentially police reports. And what you transition into is simply newspaper clippings. That's all that's in there. So, and I, and again, I say I think this was a product of the police closing ranks and and slowly um, granting the media uh, less and less access. To you know, frontline information. So there's nothing. There's nothing there anyway. The other thing is um, because it's um, so late in the 80s and 90s, um, a lot of the information is digitized, where a, a low police is not. It's all you know, first hand arch- archival. So if 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 you know how to dig, you you can find a lot of stuff. But you gotta you gotta be really persistent because you know, in starting with eight cases. It's not just these eight cases you research the eight cases and then that leads you down wormholes to other cases and offenders and societal problems and aspects of um you know sociology that uh um it's all interesting but then you got to need to package it and, and 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 form some um opinions around it so uh You got to, you got to be persistent with it. But I I have been, and I think I have some, some interesting things that we can, we can discuss. Okay. So, uh, this is, this article, uh, and it's, it's great. As I said, the eight murders not resolved dans la région, top of the fold, um, page three of La Presse, you know, Saturday morning. And, and it's great. I mean, like the Teresa lore. um, uh, stories that that came two and a half years later it's got a you know it's got a really great map and i'll publish this online um you know showing the victim and kind of giving the date and and pointing to where they were last seen or where they they were found so immediately you get a you know a graphic idea of what's going on um and and these these this cluster does focus mostly as i say on Uh, Laval is an island, but it's also considered, some consider it part of Montreal, Um, but it's north of Montreal proper, and these cases do focus on either, if you're talking about Montreal proper, the northern end of Montreal, uh, Cartierville, which, as I say, that's the Catherine Hawke's locale, and then Laval, of course, is um, the region where we talked about uh, Joanne Dorian. And um uh, uh, Chantel Tremblay. Um and, and actually the, the the Laval region of some of these cases is quite interesting because um because I have family who 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 live there and I've been to these places and I know them really, really well. So that was striking. So anyway, um uh it says uh Eight young girls and, and children uh, killed uh, in eight years, and still no suspect. Um, you know, I'll, I'll summarize some of this just kind of going from the French. Uh, between 1987 and 1995, the bodies of eight f- uh, females victims um, were either abducted or were uh, found in sectors isolated. In north of Montreal and in six municipality environments. And in none of these crimes monstrous uh, found in Laval, Blainville, Rosemere, uh, Mascouche, L'Assomption, Saint-Roche-Tachin, uh, and in the um, the old uh, quarter of Miron, um, uh, where there were often there were sexual aggressions, the police have not apprehended a single suspect to this day now recall we're talking 87 to 85 but the articles written in 1999 so from the first victim we're talking about a 12 year period of frustration um in 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 at least one of these cases if not all of them um so just to uh, summarize them in in order the first is the disappearance of Lynette Gibb. She's 19 years old, um, and she lived in the Shamadi, which is a town in Laval, um, with her adopted parents. Um, uh, on the 26th of April, 1987, um, she, was, um, uh, she was found uh, at the foot of a tree in the woods in uh, Assumption, um excuse me she disappeared April twenty sixth. She was found October twenty fifth at the foot of a tree in uh, Assumption, Quebec. Uh for those of you who have listened, we've 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 seen that movie too, right? Um a lot of a lot of these victims we've talked about um found at the base of a tree in wooded areas. So the second victim, Sophie Laundrie, sixteen years old, um she left her her parents' place in La Prairie, which is uh, um the south shore of, of Montreal on the night of um sunday the twenty third of august nineteen eighty seven to take the uh the bus to the longay metro station where she was going to take another um bus uh to saint hyacinth uh where she she actually was staying as a, a In in a home for I guess what you'd call troubled teenagers, her body, um, uh, extremely mutilated, Um, it had received a hundred and seventy one stabs with a knife, and had been sexually assaulted, was discovered um, the next morning in um, in a small in a in a cornfield in saint roche d'Achelin. Chantal Rochon, 17 years old, uh, disappeared from her family home in Blaineville on June tenth, 1988. And her decomposed uh, body was found the 23rd of April in the woods in Blaineville. Uh the uh, the disappearance of uh, Valerie Dalpé, thirteen years of age from Saint Leonard, um which is um which is a region in the northeast of, of Montreal, if you recall um the um Jocelyn uh um the uh, um jeez. Totally left me, I can't believe it. Uh, uh, Blay, the Lison Blay case uh, in the east end of Montreal. This would be the similar similar region. Um, uh, her force was, her her, her, her cor, corpse was found um, the next day um, in the area of uh, Miron. <laughs> Miron was a rock quarry that was Designated to be converted to um, a landfill, which is now designated to be Montreal's largest park, and so she was found there the next day. Um, and it's about three or four blocks from where she she disappeared. Uh, Marie-Eve. Uh, La Rivière, 11 years old, from Laval, was uh, visiting uh, some friends of her parents when she disappeared the 7th of March, 1992. And her body was found the next day um, on uh, near Boulevard uh, Saint-Martin, six kilometers from where she disappeared She was uh, sexually assaulted and killed by strangulation. Melanie Cabay, 19 years old, from Montreal, um, was abducted the 22nd of June, 1994. Um, And her body was finally discovered the 5th of July um, near a construction site in uh, Mascouche, she was beaten and strangled. Marie Chantal Desjardins, 10 years old, lived in St. Therese, um, and her body was found the 20th of July, 1994, in the woods, um, situated behind the um, Place Rosemere Shopping Center. Um... Uh, she was uh missing um she was found next to her bicycle uh which recalls the uh Cedrica place uh case and also recalls the um uh the Claudette Poirier case that we talked about um young girls disappearing on their bicycle getting sexually molested and strangled as was uh Marie Chantelle Desjardins. And then finally, uh Jolile Campeau, ten years old, from Laval. Um, she um left her mother's um, and was abducted in the street the twelfth of June nineteen ninety-five, and her body was found four days later. Um and a couple of um very close to her home in the uh Otier uh, area of Laval <clears throat> um pretty grim stuff um young young victims very young victims um from these cases from 1987 and 1999 and uh, excuse me 1987 and uh 1995 and we will uh, we will go a little deeper um, in investigating them as uh, we proceed with i guess what we would call um i don't know uh, season 2 <laughs> it sounds silly i don't know <laughs> why not uh, season 2 of who killed uh, teresa <clears throat> That's, that's all for this week. I'm, I'm your host, John Allure. You can, uh, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, who, who Killed Teresa, the podcast? Go look at it. I have a website, teresalore.com. You can get more information. I'll put visuals from this episode uh, there. I'm on Twitter at JusticeGuy, at G U S T U S G U Y, and also at Teresa Allure. You can follow me there on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't really care if you write a good review or say something good. All, all I really care about is that for those of you who listen, that you just come back in and listen. So, let's <laughs> end it with that. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm going to go out playing um, the full song of uh, The Boxes L'Affaire uh, du Moutier so you can get a sense of it for yourselves don't want to listen to it now, that's fine. You just turn me off. Um, I'll post it on the uh, Facebook page, and maybe you can listen later. Uh, that's our episode for this uh, week, January 2nd, 2018, and have yourselves a great, great evening.
2: On the 14th of October, very early in the morning, the results of a crime were found in the stables of Le Père Choupon. The old man had discovered, to his absolute dismay, the dislocated body of Elizabeth Dumoutier. So, the police was called. A fist among the crowd, shouting.
3: The jealous coupable!
2: Celui je dis, moi! Bah oui, c'est là, ça, deux?
3: normal! Tout le monde
2: experts to conclude, Austin had been the victim of a strange case of split personality. The trial neared its end, and though the facts had been exposed, the crowd still wanted blood, For they were in for big surprise. cause d'aliénation mentale
0: we did it again Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by RootMetrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks that's why we're building 5G right that's why there's only one best network Verizon that's why there's only one best network verizon best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined not specific to 5g networks